Trusting with Carrie Jones. Hi everyone and welcome to this week's podcast. For this week's episode, I got up early, I made my way over the bridge just as the sun was getting up and headed into Somerset where I arranged for a day's fishing with my guest at Wimbleball Reservoir. It's a lake where I haven't been for a long, long time, but listening to reports and what other anglers are saying, it's probably fished better now than ever, so I was keen to cast a line in the water. I fished with my guest and he is... He was very modest in his competition achievements. So I'll point out just a few. I guess one of his first major wins was the National Rivers Champion in 1998. And since then, he's fished for the England Rivers team, the England World Championship team, the European Championships and the Commonwealth. And has captained England on two occasions. For me to mention all of his success, I guess this intro would be as long as the podcast itself. But just to give you an idea of the experience and the, the level of skill this guy has. And he's also going to be fishing the Europeans next year in Norway. He's in a fortunate position as well. He mixes his work with pleasure because he is a sales and marketing manager of Snowby UK. Just over day afloat, we head back to the George Inn at Delverton, just a short drive from Wimbledon, where we had a, a late lunch and then we headed to the beer garden to record this episode. So welcome to my chat with Simon Kidd. Well, it's been quite a day. We've had some great fishing. Yeah. And now we've just had a fantastic lunch. But it was awful hard to actually leave the fishing to come to have, we'd arranged to have this pub lunch. Because the fishing came so good towards yeah. the end. But it's been a long time since I've seen you last. Yeah, when would it have been? 20 years, I'd say. Yeah, probably. Is at Pack- Packington Park? Yeah, that's right. And I remember walking around the corner because I was covering it for the mag taking pictures. <laughs> and I just saw you playing a fish. Yeah, a good fish. Yeah. Do you actually land the fish then? I, can't I did land the fish eventually, yeah. yeah. I was a bit concerned at, at not landing it because I was on barbless and it was in a, in a match and it was a decent fish, probably the best one I caught all day. Yeah. And you were there, you were very keen to take a picture, which was mine, but you got the picture, I think. I and, think uh, we did, yeah. yeah. But it's been quite a few years since I fished here last in Wimbledon. It's your local water, in effect, is it? In effect. I, I lived quite close to here at one time. I lived in Moorbath many years ago, um, just before it opened, and then when it did open. And I was fortunate enough to fish here on opening day as well. Um, it's a beautiful place in the countryside now. It's just gorgeous. I mean, the weather's picked up this afternoon, because you said about coming off, but it's always good to quit when you're ahead. I know. And to be fair, I was chucking it down this morning. I'm very cold. Well, when we spoke on the phone last night, we messaged, and then you said, oh, the weather's not looking great. And uh, some wind and rain, and I thought, oh, it's going to be tough going. And what I got here this morning, then, it, it, it did look a bit bleak, didn't it? Still, it, did. it was a nice sunrise, wasn't it? It was a lovely sunrise. Red sky in the morning. They say shepherds want to go. I was coming <laughs> over the bridge, beautiful, and I thought, oh, this is going to be better. And I thought, but I came down to Taunton then, and the clouds came in, and I thought, oh, here it goes. But it was but, raining before I walked out the door this morning. It took me an hour to get here. Is but, it? Yeah. But it was, uh, I, I didn't think for one minute we'd be using floating lines today. End of October, and 
I thought it'd be like day three is day f at least down, you know. But as soon as we went out on the boat, you you got here before me and you had your flies tied up. Before I even had time to put a cast on, you went your first fish. <laughs> and I thought, here goes, this is going to be one of those days now. And we just drifted along the shore then towards, is it the causeway? Yeah, well, from the causeway down towards uh, what we call Bessem's down in the corner where yeah. the road goes across, yeah. It's yeah. always a good place down there. But they were high up in the water, these fish. Very they? high. You couldn't see them, but when as soon as the flies were in the right place, you started to get the odd interest, bit of interest and everything, yeah. and, and especially because you put on some flies on the floating line in the end. Yeah. I think you started on the intermediate, uh, yeah. slow, slow glass, wasn't it? Yeah. And as soon as you, you started getting fish on the top, changed to the floater, and that's what they wanted. So. Yeah. yeah. But it was strange that, um, you know, I was casting like a medium-length line, Pull, 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 and then starting to, to bob. But it, it, nothing came to the pull. It was all on the surface, just as you're lifting off, wasn't it? Yeah. It, to be fair, from my respect, we fished Rutland and Grafton last weekend, and it was exactly the similar conditions as well for that. So, it, I mean, I started on the buzzer's tip today, and that's exactly what I'd been fishing last week. I haven't been fishing in the meantime, but I suspected the fish were going to be high in the water or down considerably deeper, sort of die five, die six sort of thing. And... Uh, and sure enough, yeah, we found them within, within no time at all. But we had good conditions. It was fully overcast. It had been raining. It just stopped just before we went out. Uh, we had a bit of a chop on the water as well. The conditions were perfect slicks, for fishing. Yeah, yeah there yeah. were slicks, weren't there? Some lovely bubbles and slicks going down in front of us. It was absolutely perfect. And you think, the fish have got to be up. They've got to be up. And sure enough, we found they were. So. Yeah. And then, obviously, the weather's picked up as well this afternoon. So all that got a bit tougher at times, didn't it? It got a bit brighter and that. It did. The wind dropped away for a bit, but it definitely got colder, and I think that's put them off a bit. You started off well, so in the afternoon you went quiet, and then we were fishing closer in to the, the sides, and we had a full browns. We did. Which was nice, yeah. Yeah. Well, we, we moved as well, because I'd heard yesterday that a few fish were caught up in Upton, and I know that at, at recently, I won't say this week, I don't know when, but they put some blue trout in. And as we were yeah, motoring around, yeah. you saw blue trout, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, uh, So we went on the search for them at the same time, so... Um, yeah, so we, and I wanted you to, to get the full appreciation of Wimbledon as well because it, it's so nice. It's like two or three different lakes all in one because you've got the dam end, which is nice and open, and you've got open water out there. The lake itself is, I think it's 360 acres, something like that. But then you've got from out in front of the lodge, you've got opposite is Cowmore. You turn left out the lodge through what's called the Narrows, and then you've got the option on the left hand side, you've got Bessems or Rug on the right, which is where we started down that side this morning. Uh, which was the bottom of the wind, and you'd expect that to be where the fish were. There were people on the bank fishing and so on, so that's where we where we headed to start. But we'd also seen a couple of those boats go up to the North Arm, where they went yesterday, I heard. Yeah. No, sorry, not the North Arm, up to the uh, Upton Arm, which is by up towards the dam area, and a place called Valentine's on the left. And so we had a look, and those up there as well. And, and yeah, sure enough, we did. And, and we saw, we also picked up some browns, as you say, yeah, where yeah. the trees are. The water level's gone down quite a lot, but it's... It was lovely up there and, and very much more sheltered today when we got there. Yeah. It was lovely. Just it was it nice because in the afternoon then, it was good for me because I was on the bow and I was drifting down. I was covering the fish before, well, covering the fish and you you were on the outside really then. I was. <laughs> I used to put a boat. I became guide after yeah, that yeah, point. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I just had the one brown, which was pretty about, I don't know, a pound and a bit, a pound and a half maybe. Yeah. And then we saw fish rise, didn't we? And yeah. it must have been a metre from the shore. Yeah. And I covered it, bang. And, and you got in. quite excited, didn't you? Yeah. And uh, he was all of three and a half pounds, good, maybe more even. Yeah. And, uh, and I thought, here goes, because there was a flash. 
And even you said, oh, look at your garlic, because you, you thought it was a brown. I did, yeah. I thought you'd hit one of your favourite brownies, yeah. 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 And uh, it wasn't until he came to the net then, you could see he was a fantastic rainbow. Yeah. But um, but the, the techniques were different then, uh, it, because I was fishing zonkers then, mm-hmm. and you put a, a zonker on as well, didn't you? Yeah, similar, yeah. yeah. And uh, you put Just a, a small minky, really, yeah. A minky, I mean, rather, yeah. Yeah, yeah you yeah. had success on it, and um, yeah. I changed over from, because I was just fishing a black fly at that point. I mean, usually, up here I'd fish... Um, like a cormorant or something like that and expect to pick fish up on that no problem at all because I mean any any time you like it's like the the jump board of flies if you like any colour you like as long as it's black you can usually do quite well with it yeah and um yeah I'd got black flies on but changed to that and we both started picking up more fish then so and I think did, depth was quite important today yeah they did go down for a bit didn't they they did go down yeah but the other yeah. thing was we were picking up the, I mean as, as although there are brownies right on the edges as well we were picking up the rainbows right on the edge too and the yeah. fish were feeding I think you said today that the quality of the fish is stunning here, and the quality of the fish here are absolutely stunning. They've got fabulous tails, they look fit and healthy, they've got nice bulk to them, um, they're lovely bright coloured fish, and, and there must be plenty of them to feed on yeah. uh, around the margins and everything, because that's where we're picking up the fish. Well, the one fish we took in the morning, he just screamed off, didn't he? He took it to the back end. And I thought, I can't believe it. Like, I haven't had that for a long time. He yeah, was screaming, yeah. Yeah, and I thought, oh, it's a six pound rainbow, yeah. Yeah. What was he, two and a half maybe? Yeah, three perhaps, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah great. But that's a typical fish for, for Wimbledon. They're, they're superb, it's lovely. Yeah. So when does it, do you know when it closes? Uh, I think it's the end of December. I'm not absolutely sure, but I believe it's the end of December, yeah. It's very mild, isn't it, the time of year? It was, as we were coming in, it, it was like a maybe a September anyway. Really nice, mild. It was lovely, and the wind ripple. dropped away. Yeah. Gentle, gentle ripple, as you say. Yeah. You, don't, you can't imagine it being an October day. Yeah. So this is, you'd fish it, say, half a dozen times a year or something you were saying, is it? Yeah, I would. I mean, it's not it's not my local fishery. It's not next door or anything, but I do love it here, and I've been fishing it for a very long time. It opened in 1979 when I first came here. I fished it on opening day, and I caught my first ever tiger trout on opening day. I'd never seen one before. I didn't even know what it was. Wow. And my brother-in-law in those days, he wasn't my brother-in-law at the time, but he married my sister. He was uh, he was here looking after the fishing and that sort of thing, so I, I came along and and I, I learned to find out about Wimbledon, and then I, I recently, a short while after that, got a job working near here, um, rearing pheasants and so on. So oh, I used to come up here quite regularly of an evening, once a week, something like that, and go along the banks. I mean, the bank fishing here is superb, as you've seen today. You can fish about just about everywhere off the bank yeah. today. It's it quite steep. Fishing, yeah, it's quite steep, but um, the, there's not a lot of local... It's not easy to park and go fishing. You've got to walk if you want to fish from right. the bank in a lot of places, but um, I mean the popular spots were obviously where the fishermen were today, but there is some great fishing off the banks, and as we found today, you've only got to put a fly two or three feet from the edge if, if yeah. there's no one on the bank and you'll be catching yeah, yeah. fish there, that's where they're feeding. So. And it's interesting to think that um, like we're sitting here you know, in the, the pub garden of the, the George. The George, yeah. And yeah. The, the, the people who own it, they actually got the business, they actually run, run Rumble Ball, the fishing there. They do, yeah. And they stock it. And they stock it with their own fish from their own fish farm, which is local as well, down at Rainbow Valley, Rainbow Valley which is yeah. it's about 15 minutes away from here. So how did it all start for you then, fishing? Ah, started when I was, was a young lad, if you like. Um, my dad was a keen fisherman. Um, I was fishing from the day I was old enough to stand up. In fact, it started probably before that because um, uh, my mum, was when she was pregnant, was reading a book um, it was called The Big Fisherman, and it was about Simon Peter, the <laughs> disciple. This is, yeah. <laughs> you, you won't know this story, but um, she was reading this book and she was trying to think what name she could give me because I was her firstborn. And 
she wanted to come up with something that was original that you couldn't shorten, and she came up with the name Simon. Right. Which was a pretty good idea, because you can't shorten it other than call it Si or Simon, or, yeah. or Sam, as my brothers and sisters ended up calling me. But a fisherman. I, when my mum passed away and I went to tidy the, clear the house and that sort of thing, I found the big fisherman book. Wow. And in that book was a, um, a four-leaf clover on the page with my name in it, with a line underneath my name. Uh, in the middle of si and there was Simon, and it was the name of the big fisherman. And I think, so for me, although I didn't know it, probably fishing started for me before I was born, if you like. Wow, so, awesome yeah. story. Yeah, so that's where it started. And, and I fished all my life, ever since I've been, the first pictures I can see of me anywhere, I was either holding a stick in the, in the river or with a, with a bit of string, or I was fishing somewhere with my dad, so. So where were you then? Uh, in Taunton, believe it or not. Oh, you brought up in Taunton? Yeah, well, I, I, I was born in, the, in Hampshire. Um, born in Limited in Hampshire, and then my, my parents moved down to Taunton, um, and we lived just by the cricket ground. So I've also always loved cricket. My mum used, used to take me to cricket uh, from there. You know, as, as when I was old enough to stand up, I used to go to watch cricket with my mum. Uh, I remember holding on to the pram, holding, watching cricket really? with my mum. Yeah, she loved the cricket. So um, we used to go along to Taunton ground there, and we were literally in, in the streets in the, in the back of, of Taunton there, um, and close to here. And then we moved down further down to Devon. Uh, my dad changed his job and everything. We moved down there, and, and I grew up on a farm for 23 years after that. And you, you got into rivers then, did you? I did, yeah. Um, I learned to cast properly, and I didn't not properly, but I learned to fish with a, my dad's old all-cock rod, um, uh, an old reel, and uh, a silk line, which I used to cast for hours outside the in the garden sort of thing, or on the field outside the, the farmhouse. Um, struggling to cast and the harder I tried the worse I got um, but I was I was very keen to, to you still got it I have yeah yeah so I would never keep get something like that yeah, yeah I would yeah, never yeah. get rid of that yeah I've still got the line as well yeah 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 um so yeah I learnt on that and a millwood reel it was called a millwood um an old reel but um yeah and there wasn't much still water fishing to be had but there were some rivers I learned on the river teen at Fingalbridge small trout lots of trout and quickly learned to catch them. I used to go rock hopping. I didn't have any waders, so I'd rock with, hop between the rocks, catch oh. the fish, and I loved it. It was all dry fly. Um, my headmaster at my primary school in Cheriton Bishop, he was a mad keen fisherman. He used to make his own rods and stuff like that as well. And uh, he gave me a couple of flies and he showed me how to tie them along with my dad. And um, uh, Jack Hargreaves, do you remember him? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, out of town. Out I think of town, yeah. I, I met him once and with his son, with my dad. And my dad knew him and because uh, he was from Dorset or Hampshire area somewhere and my dad knew him and uh, introduced me to him and I met his son and his son showed me how to tie my first fly. Wow. So I learned how to fly tie from then on. So. Cause and I then I got it, into it You can time. watch it on YouTube now. You can see. Can you? Yeah. yeah. I watched them on YouTube because I remember back then when he was on the TV and uh, it was the first, second half I was always interested in. Because the first half was something else to do with the country, yeah. maybe shooting or whatever. Yeah. The second half was always fishing, and so you couldn't wait to the second <laughs> the half. The second yeah. half. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I watched him the other day now, and he's there with his pipe. Yeah. You know, he's a character, like, wasn't he? I loved it. Yeah. I did love it, but um, it, it got me into, I don't know, it's, there's a passion about fishing that I've never lost. And and when I went to, to um, I went on to the grammar well, school. straight into fly fishing you went to. You didn't go course fishing. Uh, well, I was just going to come to that because um, my dad did course fishing as well. We lived in um, Somerset and the River Parrot was nearby um, and the Tone were quite nearby. And I remember going down one morning, he, he was he was course fishing and um, went down one morning, I think my uncle took me down and my mum was there and we all went down to see the, the fish that he caught and everything. 
and uh, I was oh, I was a toddler. And he went yeah. to lift the, the keep net out of the water and I couldn't wait to see this. I wanted to put my hands on these fish, right? I really did. I was really keen. And as they lifted the keep net out, there were so many fish in the net that was quite old. The net gave way. The bottom fell out and every single fish went back in the river. I never got to see him. I was devastated, absolutely oh. devastated. But I think from then on, I wanted to go with my dad so I'd be there when the fish were caught. And we used to fish on Exeter Canal, course fishing. And then uh, when I went to school, when I went on to uh, Grammar School in Crediton, I started a fishing club. And on Friday afternoons, we used to have activities afternoons. You could go off and do a particular activity if you get a member of staff to sponsor it. So the chemistry teacher said, if it keeps you boys out of trouble, I'll sponsor it. So um, my dad used to take four of us or eight of us sometimes in, in a couple of trips in a car and drop us off at a fishery somewhere. We'd go course fishing or we'd go fly fishing. But of course, in those days, the course fishing would close in the summer months. You know, it would shut down. So that's when we started going fly fishing and we'd, we'd us go down onto the river team. I'd learned to, to cast. And uh, we started having competitions on a Friday afternoon and it became uh, a popular thing to do in the school. Nice. But that's where I got into it. And, and I really enjoyed that side too. But my dad wouldn't let me compete properly. It was just fun. But he always said in while he was alive that um, I was never to compete for in a fishing perspective, if you like. He wasn't. He was totally against that. Was he? Yeah, fishing was like today. It's just pleasure day that you're out to enjoy what's there. And since COVID as well, you know, everyone has become, I think, more appreciative of everything that's around us. And I've met a lot of people this year. They've just said it's just so nice to get out. And fishing's, you know, even from the NHS point of view, it's become very useful to people. That have, have you've, you've done well. You've done a lot of competition fishing, haven't you? You were saying that you might pack it in. I've reached the point where... Um, We've struggled this year. We've had two competitions this year cancelled. The European Championships and the uh, the Masters were both cancelled. Well, not cancelled, the Masters. The, the European Championships were cancelled. Um, the Masters we came out of because it wasn't practical to travel with the COVID restrictions and everything. And it's just, you know, you commit yourself to something and you want to go through with it and see it to the finish. But when you can't do it for travel reasons, and it's expensive too, you know, you commit is, yourself yeah. to two or three thousand pounds to be able to compete. And then all of a sudden you can't, you know, you've lost that opportunity. You can't have time in the family. I've been through a divorce as well. And some of the issues in, in the divorce were sort of because of my devotion to fishing, if you like. And I have been devoted to it. I was, I've been very keen on it for a very long time. Yeah, I've yeah. loved it. It's been my way of life. I mean, it's my job today, so. But you've traveled around, haven't you? Because you, didn't you live up in Grafham? Yes, I did. Lived right by the lake, yeah. That must have been so tempting to fish all the time then, living there. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I used to go regularly of an evening, yeah. but, but that was enough. Because the other side of it, when I worked for Southwest Water Authority years ago in the fisheries department when I was studying at university. And um, to be honest, I didn't want to go fishing in those days. You're handling fish all day long, and I didn't really have the same enjoyment of going. And I stopped playing. I stopped fishing for a long, a number of years. Um, I took up cricket. We moved up to um, Bulldog in in Hertfordshire, and I worked. I joined Polaroid's company, and. Um, I didn't fish for a number of years. I, I just played cricket and did other things and brought up a young family. You know, my kids were both born then in the 90s. Yeah, you've got um, a passion for photography, haven't you? Yeah, I love photography, yeah. yeah. That's because of your time with Polaroid, is it? Uh, well, it helped. I mean, I got the job at Polaroid because I enjoyed photography, to be honest oh, with right you. Too. I had my own little developing black and white system at home. Did you? I, yeah, the since I was a kid. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you had a dark one. Yeah. yeah, it's come back now. The Vengeance, it seems to be really popular. Well, I think you were saying earlier today that um, actual traditional photography as opposed to digital, which is what everyone does today, and it's so easy today. I mean, I remember working for Polaroid and they were saying, oh, that's digital age, it'll never take off, it'll never take off. Yeah. 
within five years we were all redundant because it had taken off and, and the instant photography was gone. I think it's because it's too easy, digital. You know, it's instant. You can take a picture, even on your phone, take a picture and look at it and it's there. And it's become a bit disposable. It's too easy, you know. Whereas when you take a picture with a film, you didn't even know if it was going to come out right. And then you've got to send it off or you develop it yourself and then you print it. And There's more of a connection. That's probably it with an image. There so is... I bought two film, film cameras now the last couple of weeks. Yeah. And I don't know if really if I will put many films through them, but just nice to have. It is nice to have, but I remember back in my Polaroid days, instant photography, to be able to have an image in front of you at that time was where what we were about at the end of the day, be able to provide a photograph. Edwin Land devised this system that said you can take a picture and there's your photograph 60 seconds later. That was the, that was the key to Polaroid. But mm. now, of course, it's instant. It's like two seconds later, there's your photograph yeah. that you've just taken. And if you don't like it, take another one. Yeah. And I think actually from, a, from an imaging point of view and a... Uh, a memory capture point of view, I think photography's gone mental since digital came in, in a different form. And what people are doing now is they're just going into a little bit more detail, like you said, and getting a bit more of their, call it passion, whatever you like to call yeah. it, behind it. The experience. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because there is, you know, the old days were developing something, as you see it develop and it comes up on the sheet. You don't see that. You take the photograph, look at it, oh, all right, okay, yeah, that's my yeah. photo. But as it, you see it come lift out off the paper, it was, it was really quite exciting in developing time and all that sort of stuff. It's great for fishing, though, to take a picture off your phone. That's oh, brilliant. And yeah. for, for so many things. It's wonderful. Yeah. And sharing information and social media today and, yeah. and all that stuff. It's, it's amazing, really. Yeah. I mean, modern technology is phenomenal most of the time when it's working anyway. So you were working for Polaroid when you were in Grafham? Yes, I was, yeah. yeah. And what happened then up in Grafham? The instant business collapsed, basically. Um, I was made redundant. I went to work for Port Marion for a couple of years. We moved to Stoke-on-Trent, away from Grafham. Uh, in fact, we weren't living in Grafham at the time, sorry. We were in um, uh, just outside, or just a bit further south in Grafham when I worked at Polaroid. And we moved away for a couple of years to Stoke-on-Trent. But I was really keen to get the, my kids back to the school that we'd had in Huntingdon. And that's what we wanted to take them to. And uh, so I looked to move back that way and change my job away from Port Marion and moved back to, to Grafham to live. So that's what we did. And then when my wife, I didn't actually see the house, she said, I found the house, which is quite nice. She said, I said, where is it? She said, it's a place, a village called Grafham. And I went, yeah. I said, come here for it. She said, yeah. I said, do you like it? She said, yeah. I said, we'll buy it then. And she said, well, you haven't seen it. I said, I don't need to. If you like it and it's there, I'm happy. So, yeah, so we did. She is. And, she and it was what? the best house we ever had. I spent a couple of years working for um, uh, a company in North London. Um, I was director for them and while I was there I was writing for the magazine because uh, today's Total Fly Fisher came along and uh, I started writing for them and we went to an award ceremony and I started doing quite a lot of writing for them and I really enjoyed it and I was doing my competition fishing then as well and um, I, I went to an awards where we got the magazine of the year award or whatever it was and I happened to sit next to a gentleman by the name of Barry Unwin and he said if you're into marketing and you're writing for things why don't you consider working for me so that's what I did. And I spent a couple of years there, but living in Grafham and working out of Croydon wasn't ideal. Uh, my children were also at a time where they were just about to take their O-levels. Uh, Hayley had just taken hers. My son was just going into that age. He was about 12, 13. And um, the school they were at had gone to pieces, really. So I said, well, if we're going to ever move away from this school or take out of that school, we've got to find somewhere else. So I looked at private education, which I couldn't really afford, which is Kim Bolton or Bedford College, uh, uh, or Bedford School, rather. And um, 
uh, I happened to meet Russell somewhere at, at um, I think it was probably at the John Norris show or somewhere. And, and Snowbee had been sponsoring the England team, the Rivers team, for a couple of years at that point. So I was quite familiar with the products and everything. And he said, you know, would, would you consider working for us? And so that's what I did. I moved over. And I've been there ever since and love it. It's Great company. Be. Good products. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. brilliant products. I mean, you're familiar with the products and the fly lines and everything. But they, they sponsored us in, in 1998. I won the National River Championships up in the Lake District, up in the um, Keswick, rather. And um, we, the following year in 19... 80, uh, 99 rather, we went to Ireland for the Home International and Snowby sponsored the team. And What's the lifestyle then? No, the Rivers team. Oh, the Rivers yeah, team. We yeah. fished the River Liffey and it was fantastic. It was a really great experience mm. and everything and that was my first proper competition. It's a great river that, isn't it? It was a brilliant river, yeah. yeah. And the Irish knew it better than we did and they fished it really well, but um, it was a great experience and I became um, uh, very familiar with Snowby and the products and um, with competition fishing, I really found I really enjoyed it. And we'd, I also went over to um, Norway. We fished a competition over there called Orafisk in, uh, I think you pronounce it Fjerda, but it's in, um, in a place called Sunnefjord, which is, a, it was a, two, two lake sessions or two um, uh, fjords up there and a river. And you fished three sessions. And I won all those three sessions and I got a bit of a buzz for it really, I suppose. And um, quite enjoyed it, it. Is it mainly the rivers? Do you competitively fish? Or did you, you have fish Loxdale, yeah? No, but yeah, I've done all of them. How many caps you done Loxdale? Caps as such, probably one or two, one oh, maybe even. Yeah, oh, right, I haven't yeah. done many Loxdale caps, but when we've done the World and European Championships, there's always a number of lakes and rivers yeah, involved, and, and I've you, won yeah. loads and loads of the, the different you competitions. The Not necessarily, no. No, I've done really well on, on some of the Loxdale competitions as well. Cut my teeth on the rivers, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm, I've also got, I've got really good eyesight. Uh, I'm also tall, I'm quite strong, I'm fit. I used I to be an athlete when I was younger. How many, I don't know, how many kingfishers we saw today? <laughs> and you saw them while, ages before I could see them. Yeah. I think it's quite important, especially if you're fishing top of the water. Um, I remember hearing or reading an article that Chris Sogborn wrote about subsurface vision as well. And it's all very well to be able to see what you can, and I don't know what other people see, but I know I've got very, very good vision. Um, but he also talked about subsurface vision, and that is where you can imagine with your mind's eye for like yeah. what's underneath and what's happening under the water and that is absolutely crucial to being a good fisherman i believe so yeah. it's really useful to see and like today we've seen fish on the top and at the weekend i was with a gentleman and he said um so i can't believe you've seen those fish on the top of the water they weren't weird. they don't come on sit on top of the water but you see nervous water you see something that's underneath yeah. and you know Saw that a few times today yeah we did see that yeah and we we could tell although you couldn't see the fish it was you he could tell they were there. just right under the surface they weren't topping they weren't breaking the surface, but you knew they were there, and we put fish on them. Sometimes you'd see a little swirl or a little giveaway, wouldn't you? A little eddy or something, and you could put a fly on it, and, and they'd show up. And it's, yeah, it's really important to be able to do that. And it's also extremely exciting. Dry fly fishing to me is the best, whether it's on a still yeah. water. Draycott I absolutely love when I was younger. That's the first club that I actually joined was Draycott Fishing Club. Uh, when we moved up to the Midlands area, a friend of mine used to fish there quite a bit, and he said, come and fish with me time. He said, I'll take you out on Draycott. It was fantastic. I loved it. We went out one day, we were fishing with um, Daddy Longlegs. It was, it was late in the season, and just it was quite a chop on the water, and we were fishing Daddy's on the top. It was so exciting, it was amazing, because you could see everything that was going on. It was a hell of a challenge, yeah. and they were really difficult to catch, because with Daddy's, they often want to take the fly underneath before they'll actually put it in their mouth properly and all that sort of thing. Yeah, they'll yeah, they'll yeah. try and slosh at it. Yeah. What was quite an eye-opener today, as well, in the late afternoon especially, when we were fishing the sides, 
where we weren't sure if they were coarse fish, small coarse fish, yeah. or trout. Yeah. And they ended up, they were trout, weren't they? They were trout. Yeah. yeah. And they were in like a, a foot or two, probably, of water, and just dimpling, you know. They weren't giving themselves away, were they? I mean, there's quite no. a few predators about. We saw quite a few cormorants this morning, didn't we? Which was probably an idea. We thought where there might be some fish there today. But um, they're, they're where they can feed in shallow water, where they're comfortable. Of course, as soon as they see anything, they can move out of that water and come back to it. But um, a smart fish, a, a clever fish. I mean, I've had, there's fished on the Erfon River up in Wales. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember fishing up there one day and I saw this small little dimple of a rise and I thought, oh, it's a little fish, but I might as well catch it or try and catch it anyway. And I cast it and it was a massive grayling. But of course, he's learned to be smart. He doesn't waste yeah, his energy. Yeah. He knows exactly what he's doing. And that's what we were looking at today. These fish, they're, they're feeding naturally. They've been in the, I mean, we were catching, we had a couple of brown trout there today. Right? And they're, they're exactly the same. They, they've never been put in this lake. You know, they've never been stocked. Those are yeah. wild grown old fish. They've learned from, from the tiny well fed. They're not lean. No, they, not at all. They've learned to feed from, from nothing. They're not been stocked in. It's a totally different type of fishing. But um, where, the, where some of those fish today were, I mean, we, we didn't know what they were. You couldn't tell until you caught one because they were rainbows and they were, they were um, browns. But there were also some coarse fish were there too. And, and speaking to Mark, probably some of those were rudd and stuff like that. But... Um, a big fish doesn't have to make a great big rise to, no. to be there because they, no. they can be they're clever there you know a lot, a lot of the time and I've fished on the rivers you fish on the clear chalk streams um, and I, I learned an awful lot from doing that with a friend of mine called Larry Johnson at, um, at Polaroid when we worked there yeah. and he, he he loved his fishing and asked me one day we were at the photocopy he said hey you the hunt shooting fishing guy I went no I might be who wants to know and he said well me me he said I've come from America and I would like to go fishing and um, I've been fishing a few times, would you like to come and join me? I said, I'd love to. And so we went down to Rickmansworth and we went to fish there a couple of times. And then he, I was fortunate that he and I went to a few different places then to fish. And one of those places was on the test, which I'd never had the privilege of fishing before. And I suddenly found a little bit like Fingal Bridge where the water was quite clear. It would go red if the, if the river flowed and you know, if, if we had a bit of rain or anything, it would turn a little bit red. But um, you could go to a chalk stream and you could see everything because the water was so clear. Yeah. And you could actually read what the fish were doing. And uh, it gave me a whole new insight into fishing, and river fishing in particular, because you can see so much of what's going on. It's nice visual, isn't it? When you can really see it really is. Yeah. But to have a fish come up and take a, a dry fly is still even more exciting than, than having one take a nymph, I suppose. Um, it, uh, to me, that's the epitome of fly fishing, is to see a fish rise, put on a fly, and present it to that fish in such a way that he'll decide that that's, that's his next meal. Uh, and then as we do so much today, is, is then return the fish as we've been doing today. So. Yeah. Will you fish now towards the end of the year? Would you, would you fish for grayling maybe now in the winter? Yeah, I've been out a couple of times already. I was Have out you? last week, yeah, and the week before, yeah, on the Saturdays. What's your year been like competitively this year? Didn't you, what did you fish now? You, uh, you were in the fry bash or something? I did last weekend, yeah. Yeah, yeah I was out there, yeah. That was up at, um, on Grapham and on Rutland. Saturday I, I struggled because um, I hadn't been fishing for ages to be fair. I've been out a couple of times, we've done a couple of photo shoots down here, but I haven't been out and I haven't been able to compete competitively this year. And um, with with the COVID thing, I've been shielding anyway. So I've been out of it for a year or so properly. Um, so I went up there without hardly any fishing experience this year at all, especially I haven't fished Grafham for several years now. And um, what I hadn't realized until as the day progressed, where we started off, we've spent an hour or two in, in an, an area where Fish had been caught the day before. My boat partner had been out there. He said, oh, "I know where we're going. This is a good place." 
and um, we went there. There was no fish to be had there. There was absolutely nothing there at all. As can be the case, the fish have moved, you know. And the number one rule of fishing for me is you've got to fish where the fish are. So we went, we went in search of some fish, and we contacted some fish around just after lunch, I suppose. And he picked up a couple of fish, but I was fishing too deep. Couldn't see the fish at all. You didn't see any fish until you hooked one. And um, it was very similar to today. The fish were right on the top, yeah. absolutely right on the top. They've been out of the top for so long because we've had a lot of warm weather this year. The temperature's been high. There's not been a lot of oxygen in the top of the water, so they've been down. And here, for example, they've been fishing down 20, 20 odd feet. There have been days here where people have caught next to nothing because the fish have gone so deep. But it's the average depth of Wimberwall's 50 foot deep, so they can get down there and they'll be fine. So, um, and as we found today, the fish have actually come up on the top and they're up looking. They're, they're moving around right under the top, but you couldn't see them. And the same with Grappen last week. And as soon as I realised where they were, there was no point in chucking a long line at them. It was like we were doing a little bit today. The shorter line you put out, the more flies you put on the water, and you're not you're not throwing a long line out there to spook the fish. Mm. And as soon as we were doing that, the fish were coming up, and we we're getting whoppers and catching. I'm really looking forward to fishing it next year, after experiencing today, you know. And we spoke to um, was it Trevor, the ranger? Yes. And uh, he was telling us, it was a 14 pound, was it 14? Yeah, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, 14 pound brownie. Was, yeah. And is it Before this week, finished, 6 pound or 7 pound? Yeah. So, and then when I saw these, because there are the coarse fish in there, the red you said, geez, th there's some big fish got to be in that lake and just not fished for. So, watch this space next year. <laughs> 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 I'll definitely be fishing it more often. Yeah. It's really too, not too far, it's only about two hours from my place, like, you know? Yeah. So. And it's lovely today. I mean, the boats are much nicer now. They've got some decent boats on there. But we had a great engine today and everything as well. It's just enjoyable, you know. We've yeah. not fished under any pressure. We've taken yeah. the time out there. Do they do accommodation here? Yes, there is, yeah. They do, do they? Yeah, I'm not sure how many rooms they've got, but the rooms are upstairs. That'd yeah. be well, Andy. It's ideal. It? Yeah, it's perfect. Yeah. Your tackle, no doubt, obviously, yeah. is snobby, no doubt. Of course. And you actually got a say in the design of the lines as well, do you, on the rods? Yeah, hopefully. My job is, is sales and marketing manager for the company. Um, I joined the company 15 years ago, uh, just over now. And uh, I remember when I joined the company, when Russell, when, when I first went in and uh, sat down with Russell, he said, are there any products that you think we might have in the catalogue that we could add in, you know, products that you might abuse in international competition or wherever? And there were a few things we came up with, one of which was the, um, the Geofly vest, which we use today. Uh, I've still got it today. And the other one was the three-in-one net. I mean, there's been lots of things since, but um, one of them was the three-in-one net. And still today, that's one of our best-selling nets. And it was something that I used that um, I'd, I'd actually got two or three nets together and made one net. I got someone to put them together for me. So we made a handle and a, and a net head and everything because it had to be, for competition size, it had to be limited to, I think it was... Uh, I can't remember what it was, 42 inches or something like that. You weren't allowed to use it. Whether you're in a boat or in a river, there's a certain length of net that you could use in Fitzmish rules and nothing more. And you get on a boat oh, and you couldn't reach it. the fish. You know, you, you get to a boat, you're fishing barbless, and you just got to net the fish and it's come off because you can't reach it. And being tall isn't a big advantage there. Because your totally. limbs are so farther apart. You might yeah. think it might be an advantage, but actually I don't think it is, to be fair. Um, so it's telescopic? It's telescopic, yeah. It's yeah. got a short handles telescopic for when you're in the river or when you're wading and it's got a second handle for when you're actually on a boat so you can actually use it for both it's been a really popular net in fact this year like many of our other nets we've we've not been able to get any stock this year so they're back in stock now i believe but it's been difficult and this year has been really hard you know with covid the last 18 months we spoke briefly as well when we were on the boats you enjoy your saltwater fly fishing as well do you? i do i love it have you got any trips lined up nope no, I do, I've done a bit of bass fishing this year. I've had some bass. I've had bass on every occasion I've been out this year. 
Have you? Yeah, off the shore, on the sea, on the coast, just around here, around the Devon coast. I've been, I mean, a lot of them are schoolfish, schoolies, you know, they're not yeah, big yeah. fish, but they fight like mad. And all on the fly, um, a single fly, and mostly I've caught them on, on little poppers on the top. Well, in fact, a minky booby is one of the best patterns I've had. Is it? And I've used that all over the place. I've used that in Newfoundland, uh, not Newfoundland, <laughs> in, um, a minky booby? in America. A minky booby, yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, would you fish that on an intermediate, like a shoot on air dog? No, floating line. Wake it across the top and stop it? it. Yeah, just wake it. Just. Oh, they come up to the surface? Yeah. They'll come up, they'll actually launch themselves and, and launch themselves three feet in the air when they've taken it sometimes. It's really exciting. Yeah. I never thought Great fun. That. Yeah, some simple I've had life. a lot of success the last two years on just basic surf candies. Yeah. You know, I never thought of using something that floats. Well, some years ago, uh, I was fortunate. I mean, I've been able to travel and fish all over the world, so I've been quite lucky in that respect. And I mean, last year probably was the best of all when I went out to New Zealand. That was absolutely stunning for the Commonwealth Championships. But um, some years ago, Russell and I were working, we went to the FFR show in America, and we came back via um, Vancouver Island, and we'd got a distributor out there. So we went to spend a couple of days with him and do our photography for the following year's catalogue while we were there on our way back. And we went and fished off a place called Salmon Point, and we were fishing for this enormous salmon in the sea. He's, He'd said to us, well, we'll take you sea fishing tomorrow. And we thought, okay, so we went out there. And I was seeing this fish, there was someone out wading and they'd hooked a couple and we weren't getting any interest at all in what we were using. And I had a minky booby then. And I just thought, oh, goodness sake. I mean, there were these fish, I could see them in the top. Salmon, no? Salmon, right? I mean, these salmon and salmon were 30 pound fish. I mean, they were like submarines, they were huge. Whoa. And I'd cast a fly out and I, would, I wouldn't get any interest on anything. I was thinking, we've got to do something different. So I, I put a minky booby on and pulled it across the top. I've never seen a bow wave like a submarine coming at me like that before. But they would not take it. They oh, wouldn't take it off no. the top. Yeah. So what I'd also got in my pocket was a minky. Right? I'd only by chance, I put a minky on and chucked that out and pulled it back. And, and we, we were catching some really good fish on that. Eventually it hooked on a rock and we lost it. But... That was, the, that was the method to use. It was fantastic. It was really, really good. And catching salmon in the sea, it's the only time I've ever done it, but it gave me a taste for the salt, if you like. I loved yeah. it, absolutely loved it. And you just don't know. You mentioned today we were fishing with a, with a sinking line at, at the point when we went up through the arms uh, earlier there. And you said you never know what's going to come up. It's quite exciting. Although fishing on the top is yeah. really nice, I mean, you don't know what's going to come up. Like when you're fishing in the sea, you have no idea what you might no. catch next. You know, that's quite no. exciting. So. And as the same, so... You yeah, get mullets on as well, I suppose, yeah. The what? Mullet. You do, they're a challenging fish to catch. Yeah. I can't say I've successfully caught them on a fly. No. I've hooked them, uh, hooked and lost them, and I've hooked them, had them break on me before, and I've had them, uh, anything less than six pound, they're going to snap here, I've found that. So I found that using six pound, I could actually successfully hook them. But you hook a mullet in a shoal, and they'll go into a shoal and they'll snap you off. But the bass is great. I've had lots of pollock, uh, mackerel and things like that on the fly. Great fun. Really good fun. And I've had other things as well, horse mackerel, scad, um, other things. Yeah. Do you tie your own flies now? Yep. Yeah? I've got too many. That's, that's it. Yeah. Well, I've got a couple of empty boxes. Have you? <laughs> <laughs> it's the time you put into it. It's really time we see me. I know. I was talking yeah. to somebody the other day, no, who was I talking to? And um, they, they said this, it's more of a chore, really, you know, you know. And I, I'm the same. If I know, right, I go into somewhere, I need to tie some flies, I sit down, I might tie four, maybe six, and I get bored. And you've got some people who tie 30, 40, 50 in a session. I you don't can't do, that, do that No, I don't do that anymore. I have no. done that. And I've done yeah. it. We've sat down when we've been in team meetings and stuff, and we've sat down and said, right, you tie 24 of those, and you tie 24 of those, and they've all got to look the same, we all want the same flies and so on. And I've probably done enough of that now. I enjoy ply, tying the flies. Um, I've got my own stuff at home. And I've, I could probably got 
run a shop from the fly time materials yeah. I've gathered over the years. But um, if I want to tie something today, like I was using flies today that I've tied myself, um, so it's quite a pleasure to be able to do that. That when I was saying earlier on about taking a fly off the top, you know, when you see it take a dry, if it's something that you've tied yourself, I've been doing a lot of river fishing this year when I can on the Otter, where I, where I live in the River Teen, and that's all been on the flies that I've tied for myself, and mostly on dries been great. And I've had some nice sea trout on the dries as well. Have you sea trout on dries? Yeah, during the day. A few years ago, I noticed on Facebook you were standing outside a hospital. What was the story there? Like you, you were poorly. I was. I just sent a shiver down my back. Actually, I was. It was um, uh, seven years ago on Thursday next week. What was it? Exactly, yeah. It was the 4th of November, uh, and it was outside the Royal Marsden in London, and it was my That's cancer operation. Right. By the steps, wasn't it? I remember yeah, seeing the picture. Yeah, the steps, yeah. And lots of people commented on it, I hope it gave inspiration to a lot of people that have also had to endure cancer. Um, I never, I've just spoke to someone recently that's just been uh, diagnosed with it, if you like, and I've said to them that, um, once, once you've got cancer, there's no cure. Well, it, cancer can be treated, but I would say from a psychological point, there's no cure for what you've had and what you, you've been through. There's no cure for that. However, cancer's like a, a wood, and, and you, once you've got cancer, you go into the wood. And I, I've, I grew up on a farm, and I like being out in the fields. But for me, the cancer thing is you go to the wood, and with the medication that's available today, they can bring you to the edge of the wood, and you can still venture in and out from the edge of the wood and still enjoy everything that's there. But there's always a sort of doubt, and I think probably everyone that's ever been there has would experience that as well. But um, it's it's not something to be shy of, and I'm not worried. You know, I, I don't hide the fact that I've had it, and um, I'm touch wood. I feel yeah. well, um, and anyone that has any doubts at all in what I didn't know, I'd got it. I didn't have a clue, and within I had about six weeks to have an operation, or I was in desperate trouble. And I was very fortunate that I managed to get an operation and they treated me extremely well. Uh, it, it's changed my life, but um, I guess I'm still here today. things more, I suppose, doesn't it? I make the most of each day. Yeah, I, mean, I, I got prostate cancer, which is very common. Um, and I would encourage any guys out there at all, through fishing, um, to, to share any experiences they may have. And ask a friend, ask your mate, ask, ask anybody if you've got any doubts at all, because there's, there's ways to check and test, and I, I didn't have a clue. We yeah. were in the Commonwealth Championships seven years ago in 2014 and I was sat on a bus and I said to, to Jamie, from one of your colleagues who wanted Welsh, yeah. and he said, Tom, he said, um, you could see I was in, in, I was struggling a bit. He said, um, I'm going to stop the bus. And he stopped the bus for me and, and the, the next couple of days I was in seeing my doctor and the doctor did some tests and he said, I think you've got cancer and he was right. And it had been left too long and I didn't know. So yeah. treating it early is really, really important. And you know, touch wood, I'm still here. I still love my fishing. Have you got any goals? Fishing goals? Yeah. No, I just keep you've done doing it as long as I can. Yeah. Yeah. I think a goal for me, um, a couple of years ago, I took my uh, Gaia instruction so I could actually help other people. And I've done some help with the England youth and the Welsh youth and that sort of thing in the past. And I love helping other people and sharing information with other people. If I can help them enjoy themselves, like my son and like my kids, I've enjoyed helping them through learning to fish and so on through the years and to enjoy it as much as they can, then that, that would be my goal, to help try and pass on as much that information as I can. And I've always written for the magazine since I started being asked to do so. Um, I don't know when that started. I've no idea. Um, I don't know, probably 20 odd years ago I started yeah, yeah. writing and, yeah. and doing the photography and so on to help other people enjoy their fishing a bit more and, and catch more fish if that's what they want to do or yeah. just just have... Um, uh, well, your boatman skills were good today. Were they? <laughs> <laughs> I thoroughly enjoyed it. 
and uh, I hope we'll do it again soon, actually. I would love to, yeah. Um, before we wrap up, mm. there's one more question mm. I want to ask. Where would you want to be to make your last cast? <laughs> That's a very easy question to answer. I would want to be with my son. It's a hard question, actually. I quite am. Um, yeah. I don't care the venue. We've, we've fished together in a number of places. I mean, he was fortunate that he was able to go with me to New Zealand last year. Uh, we went out to the Bahamas together to fish, and those are two amazing places we've travelled to. But I've taught him since he was old enough to stand up to fish. He was fly fishing at six years old. I remember him uh, at six fly fishing with a mayfly on the, the Dove in Dovedale, and a couple of old people were walking along and said, oh my God, look at that little boy down there fishing. Look at that, isn't that amazing? And he was catching fish on, on dry flies, catching trout on the Dove from the age of six and um, to see him and my daughter when, when she was fishing and so on, that, that's what gives me a, a real thrill. So um, I don't care where I go as long as, um, yeah, if I were to choose a river it would probably be there in, in New Zealand. Would it? Tongari area, yeah. That's where I would go, I think, through choice. And I was fortunate to be there with Matt last year. We had some a fantastic trip. It was unbelievable. I mean, New Zealand is absolutely awesome. Yeah. I'd probably never go back there, but having been there and experienced it, it was absolutely wonderful. Uh, very lucky to do that. Um, bone fishing in Bahamas um, is, I mean, Crooked Island is my favourite place out there for, if I don't go to any other place fishing in the sea, then Crooked is a place I'd love to go back to, but I would like to be there, not just by myself. But I've always said that something shared with another person like ourselves today gives twice the pleasure. And I mean, we could have both either gone out there on our own today or gone out there oh, together, yeah, yeah. but doing it together today for me is twice the pleasure and I've really enjoyed it from that yeah. respect. And from a still water, I love I love Wimbledon. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's in the heart of Devon here. Well, it's not actually. It's in Somerset, but it's it's close to Devon. And um, I automatically thought it was Devon because yeah, you drive no, through Devon to get you. It must be a funny sort of shape the border. I think. Yeah, you, you literally go through the border just up the road here through yeah. Somerset Devon border. You probably cross it a couple of times. I would think. I don't know, but yeah. yeah, it's it's lovely and it's a it's a lovely where it's top of the water, which is what we experienced today almost. I mean, it's not exactly dry fly fishing today, although I think you had a couple of fish come right high on the water, but. Um, yeah, it's great. It's a lovely place and it's not just about catching fish, it's about the experience and having the day out with somebody and uh, enjoying everything that's around us at the same time, like the birds for example. I mean it's a bit quiet today, from, you can hear the birds around here. Yeah, I'm sure the, the wind's dropped to now. Yeah, exactly, but just to experience everything that's around you whilst you're fishing and being out there to enjoy it because you're out there fishing is, is tremendous. When we've been trapped inside through Covid, I think a lot more people have begun to realise how important what we have outside is to all of us. Quite. Well, many thanks, Simon. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. I hope we'll do it again soon. I look forward to that. Yeah, thanks. Thanks See for coming us. down. If this is your first time tuning in, make sure you catch all future episodes by clicking subscribe via the links on my website, castingwithkerryjones.com or via iTunes or your favourite podcatcher. If you like what you've heard on this episode, feel free to drop me a line via my website. Tell me what you've enjoyed, ask a question, or better yet, tell me what you want to hear more of in the future. And if you're looking for additional tips, tackle reviews, or venue information, or just want to see what's been hitting the back of my net lately, search up Casting with Kerry Jones on Facebook or follow me on Instagram. And if you still want more, I'm regularly uploading video content onto the Casting with Kerry Jones YouTube channel, so just check that out and subscribe over there too. Wherever you follow, subscribe, comment or message, I look forward to catching up soon for a good fishing chat. 
Well, I think that's all for now. So until next time, tight lines and don't strike too soon.